Let's stand and let's worship the Lord here today. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you. I was bleeding, but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was my tomb. Till I met you When you called my name
right. Thank you, Jesus. Feel it in my bones, you're about to move. I feel it in the wind, you're about to ride in. Said that you would pour your spirit out. You said that you would fall on sons and daughters.
Lord God, we just praise you that we can come here today on this fall morning. It feels like it. Um, and God, we just pray that your Holy Spirit just reach out and just, um, just fill us to overflowing. That God, that's what we want. We want to come in contact with your presence and, your, and see your glory. So God, um, we are here to receive that. As now we're going to move to a time of communion. Maybe just be receptive of, of coming in contact with your presence again. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask everyone if you have a seat. We're going to go ahead and take communion. and just how much uh, the Lord loves us. I, if you ever want to know if God loves you, it's through this act. It's, um, it's, there's a lot of remembrances. And so um, what we recognize is that there's um, that the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, the night that Jesus said, okay, now's the time. Um, right before he was getting ready to give up his life to suffer and die, he was in a Seder meal, as, as many had done for years, and he took the bread and he blessed it, following tradition for years and years and years that recognized uh, Seder meal was from the time of Moses. It was, it was looking back to how God redeemed and freed his people from Egypt. So he gave thanks to God and thank you. Blessed are you, Lord God, creator, ruler, sovereign of the universe that gives us grain from the field that we may have bread to eat. He broke it, and in that section of, of the meal, there's uh, a part called the Afrikomen, which means I have come. Um, and so Jesus was passing that around. It's a liturgy that these young Jewish men would have known um, for a long, long time. But as they were passing it around, uh, Jesus went ahead and said, wait a second, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after the supper was over, there were lots of different uh, cups. But Jesus took one of the cups, and by it being at the time, at the end of the supper, many scholars believe it could have been the cup of redemption. And um, so he began to pass that around to his disciples again after saying, Blessed are you, Lord God, ruler, creator, sovereign universe that gives us fruit of the vine that we have, they would have said, wine to drink. And so they began to pass it around once again, as I said, just as they had done for years upon years upon years. Anybody ever been part of a Seder meal? You do a lot of dipping and a lot of, a lot of dunking, right? There's a lot of stuff going on. And um, at this point, they were doing it again. They passed it around. And they said, oh, by the way, this is my blood poured out for you and for many for the new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. As I mentioned, we had done our last series about Jesus coming again, and there's been some really cool scholars that have looked at the whole, uh, the whole Seder meal and Jesus doing this. And one of the things we recognize that in the, in the um, uh, marriage ceremony that Jesus talks about the bridegroom coming for the bride, and there's some really cool things that are synonymous with that. But one of the cool things is when it's time for the engagement, they will go. And one of the things that they will do is the groom will go ahead and give a cup in, that, in the time of Galilee, give a cup to the bride. And if she takes it and drinks from that, it's a new covenant. It's a new relationship with the bride and the bridegroom. And what does she do? She gets ready and waits for that night because they always would come in the middle of the night 
And so she had to be ready when they would come and they'd whisk her away and the wedding would, would start. And the only person who knew when the wedding date was, was the groom's father. Isn't that cool? They understood, um, when Jesus was talking about these things, they understood how that comparison was there. For us, we recognize, when we take part in communion, we recognize a couple things. We look at what Jesus has done for us. So when we look back at the greatest gift of all, giving his life up for us and reconnecting us when we had fallen away through sin and, and it had just gotten worse and worse and worse, God made a way through the sacrifice of his son Jesus upon the cross. Took our sins and made us clean if we accept his offer, his, his free offer of his life. It cost him his life. Then we also recognize what he's doing now. Anybody see Jesus doing anything for you in your life? Has he ever done anything for you in your life? All right. And then ultimately, we look for what he's going to do. And the, what we mean by that is not just tomorrow, not just the next day, but whenever day that the Lord says, hey, I'm returning. And we, we, we pray with all of uh, Christendom over the years, come quickly, Lord Jesus, right? We come quickly. And if you see how the world's going, we want him to come even quicker today, am I right? And so we recognize that... Um, that through communion, there's a couple things. We got um, to deal with who Jesus is. Everybody has to deal with who Jesus is. Everybody has to say, who, who is Jesus to me? Um, and, and so whether we do it now, I would suggest doing it now, rather than at the end of time when every knee bows and every tongue confesses that he is Lord. And it says, below the earth, on the earth, and above the earth. That means everything, everyone, everything is going to have to say Jesus is Lord and confess. I can't wait to see Satan say Jesus is Lord. Can't you wait? I think that's awesome. But um, so we need to deal with that. Who is Jesus to you? And then anybody have any sin in your life? The answer to that is yes. All right. Unless Jesus is here present, we're all going to say yes to that. And if you do, um, that's what Jesus came and did. And so that offer of forgiveness, when you recognize that Jesus is not a liar, is not a lunatic, but is the savior of the world, exactly as he says he is then we can accept his gift, and then our sin is removed. Now, guess what? Tomorrow, maybe later today, maybe as soon as you leave church and somebody cuts you off on the road, you're going to sin again. And the thing is, God's grace is there for us as long as we're repentant. And the other thing is, do you have people in your life that you don't mesh with very well? The answer to that is, yes, you do. All right? Um, but we're to keep unity as much as we can. There's some people in life, I know you're, you're like oil and water, right? And so you know what you do? You come to the point and say, Lord, help me see them as you do. Lord, I've forgiven all I can. You've got to help my unforgiveness and, and go with that. And that's what we need to consider. That's the rules for communion. That's all they are. We put a lot of other things, but that's our rules for communion. So, Lord, what we do is we ask that your Holy Spirit fall on these gifts, make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed and set apart by his precious blood. Lord, make us one with each other, just as the, the grain and the grapes were pressed out and became one together. May, you, may we, as your church, the body of Christ, be one body for this world that so needs to see the love of Christ. And so, God, we ask that you send your, that we may be for the world, the body of Christ, set apart by his precious blood. And Lord, as we are gathered here, we just ask for your presence to meet us in this act, that somehow your presence meets us and we give you thanks for who you are in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right? So I'm going to serve this over here. Body of our Lord, given for you. Our body of Christ, broken and given for you. Here we go, the body of Christ, broken and given for you. The body of Christ, the world, broken and given for you. That's the body of Christ, broken and given for you. The body of Christ, broken and given for you. The body of Christ, broken and given for you.
So as you come, someone will give you um, a piece of bread, um, and then they'll give it to you, and one will say, the body of Christ given for you, and the other will say, the blood of Christ given or shed for you. You'll take it, just dunk it in, and then partake of it, all right? Um, the ushers are in the back. They're going to tell you how to come down. This side comes down, goes that way. This side comes down, goes that way, and that one comes down and goes around here. If you want to just get quiet and pray somewhere, you can move off to the side, and feel free to do that. Also recognizing that we have several other things that go on, we do um, want to keep in mind that some are still um, do not want to partake this way. We do have prepackaged that have a little cup that's already prepackaged that has a little wafer at the top. And if you have finger, if you don't have fingernails, God bless you. All right, um, but but it is there, and you can take that yourself. And if you're over here, you can get in this line and come up and receive it here. Um, we also have gluten-free, recognizing that people are there. Same thing. That's over on this side as well, if you have that. So just follow, just follow the instructions from the uh, ushers. And I know we see some people. Don't use this as a time to say, hey, how you doing, all that kind of stuff. We get, we're going to do that right afterwards. But most importantly, just use this time to focus on those things. Who Jesus is to you. Do you have, like, stuff in your life that you just want to repent of? And repent's a big word, and sin's a big word, a little big word. It's just means missing the mark and so if you just need the lord's help to get you back on just connect him today and who are those people that you want to connect to that maybe you don't but you just you want to release that for the lord all right so come the table of the lord
Christ is risen from the grave. Hallelujah. Christ is risen from the grave. Oh, death, where is your
to get served, if, if somebody couldn't get up there, just kind of lift your hand. We'll make sure that you get that. We want everybody to have an opportunity. And um, if everyone has, um, you know, when we receive this, let's not only do it as, a, as a, something that we do, but just to remind, get Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And so continually remember what Jesus does for you each and every day. So this week you may go somewhere and you may say, oh, I remember what he did for me. I remember his presence. And so we, we love that in Jesus' name, right? All right, at this time um, in, in the history of the church, they would often do signs of peace, and they would do this, the Lord be with you and also with you. If you want to do that, go ahead. Um, if you want to say, hi, how you doing? Go ahead. If you want to say, man, good to see you in church, that's, that's fun too. And our kids are going to head to our Haven Kids uh, Sunday School, so go ahead and uh, just greet one another, and we'll go ahead and finish this off. stuff to do and if you all aren't in one of those groups get in it because they're fun okay it's exciting this church has a lot going on um, first I want to welcome visitors to see some old faces back today just really great to see you here and some people celebrating birthdays that got surprised I know I'm not allowed to do that but you got surprised uh, it's all good um, 
I do want to lift a few people up in prayer. Um, David Cox uh, is a friend of ours from Rising Sun, and we're still praying for him and his health. Um, and Debbie Chadwick has asked for Eric Swanson. I did good, okay, because I left my notes at home, so you know how that goes. Um, also, Donna Wiggum is going to have some tests tomorrow, CAT scan, and we're going to pray that they find out what's going on with her, so she's feeling better. Um, and Jen Wilcox isn't here today because she's with her dad who's recovering from some heart surgery, and we hope he's um, doing well. Um, it's good to see everybody here today. I am really excited. I got a couple praises to go over. The um, women's conference, we are up to 52 women. It's going to be amazing. And we're going to ask for a little bit of muscle. If anybody's bored and can stay after church for a little while, we're going to be getting some big heavy tables to put in here, and we'll need some chairs to be moved. So if anybody can hang out for a little while, we'd really appreciate your muscles. Um, and if not, you can just be the supervisor and tell everybody where to stick the chairs. But anyway, um, I didn't say that out loud, did I? <laughs> uh, boxes are due. We are growing, growing, growing. And I've had a few people say they forgot them. So you know the rule. Bring them next Sunday or else I'm coming to your house. Okay? It's all good. These kids, just the excitement on their faces and... The excitement, our Sunday school is packing them this morning, so they'll be bringing in a whole gang of them in a little while. So it's amazing. Um, and I hope I didn't forget anybody, but we're just going to go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, there's so much going on in our world today. Be with Israel. Watch over them. Be with all of those who are in fear that something could happen here. Guard our hearts. Guard our wisdom. Be with those who are healing from surgeries, mental illness, recovery, health issues. Be with those who are suffering from financial troubles. Guide them. Walk them through it. Jesus, whatever we came to you with this morning, we give it to you. We give it to you because you take it away and you bring us salvation, you bring us peace, you bring us love. And one thing I just want to say, keep paying it forward. I'm starting to see that more and more because your one act of kindness could make a difference in somebody's life in one moment. So pay it forward, be a proud Christian, and continue to serve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I can't Congo because he changed the music.
That's good. Thank you. All right. Everybody doing well? All right, good, good stuff. A um, couple things we want to touch on. Uh, Tuesday night, um, beginning this week at uh, 6.30, right, Ron? I think it's 6.30. We will be meeting here. We're going to do the Disciple um, 4. We're going to do a version of that that's going to be condensed. It's going to be uh, 23, 24 weeks, and it's dealing with a couple of the Old Testament books like Esther and Ruth and some of those, and Daniel, obviously, and then we're going to spend a bulk of it dealing with the Gospel of John, um, the letters of John, uh, James, Jude might be thrown in there, and then the bulk of the end, uh, bulk of the last part is on Revelation. So we're going to go through the book of Revelation. And so um, if you'd like to uh, participate in that, you can sign up online or see Ron back there. He's wearing the very fine-looking clothing of uh, the Eagles jersey, all right? Um, as long as it's a, uh, oh, it's a bad one, it's Wentz. So anyway, um, but we'll forgive him for that. I was hoping it was brown. But anyway, um, so we want, want to look at that. Also, um, be looking because we will have our trunk retreat coming up. Um, and that's coming up on, is that, uh, what date is that? Friday the 27th. So we want to make sure you do that. And, and everything else, Grief Share is meeting, and you can participate with that. And there's so many other things, as um, we indicated. And if you couldn't take all that in, I get it. In front of you, if you're not in the front row, um, there is a QR code, and that will lead you to go ahead and get our church app. Um, and if you have a smartphone, it's a great thing to have church app, and you can sign up and find out all kinds of information there. All right, we good? Okay, good stuff. Um, so we're gonna start. Uh, we're gonna start today. I just um, we're gonna um, do this one. Uh, starting with one, we may come back again, but um, it's we're gonna be dealing with something. Uh, that I'm really excited about. It's on the topic of labels. Um, and the truth is, how, how, many people, how many people look at labels? Like, how many people look at the, the, the nutrition labels? Remember when food didn't have that on there? Um, and you look at the l- nutrition label, and um, one of the things I learned several years ago is the one thing on the label that doesn't have a percentage is percentage daily of sugar. You ever notice that? You know why? Because you don't need any of it. And your body breaks stuff down. But anyway, that's another topic. But, um, but uh, you look at that and you go, wow, look at those things. And you can, you can check on that. How many, how many uh, I, I heard a statistic that says 1% of the people look at the label in the back of the, uh, in the shirt to see how they care for it. 99% use it to just find out where the front and the back is uh, and many things. And so so how, uh, how many ever look at your label before you throw stuff in, all right? Um, so we have labels all kinds of different places. So today, what, what I really want to talk about is we all have to deal with the topic of labels. And today's message is really going to deal with how we get over our past, our past failures, our past hurts, but basically some of the mistakes or some of the things in life that have labeled us and that carry through with us. How many have ever been to your high school reunion? Anybody been to a high school reunion? Those labels come right back real quick, don't they? Am I right? You ever go back and they're like, oh, you're the one who was, and you hope that it was nothing bad um, to remind you. But anyway, that's what we want to talk about. So I want to start today by asking you a couple questions. Number one, how would you describe yourself in three words? You may start with the, your, your appearance. Like some people may say, uh, you know, I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm tall, dark, and handsome, or I'm short, squatty, and handsome like me. Um, but um, you may say I'm fit, I'm a little chunky, I'm a hipster, um, all that kind of stuff. Or you may say your personality, that you're outgoing, you're an extrovert, or you're an introvert, you're shy, um, that you're likable, or you're kind of a loner. Um, maybe that, or your life situation. You may say that I'm a husband, a wife, a mother, a father. Um, I'm single. I'm divorced. I'm rich. I'm broke. 
I'm broke, I'm broke, or what it might be, continue with that. Or you might start with a hobby. I'm a fan of the soon-to-be National League Championship Phillies. Um, could be that. Um, you never know. God willing, I mean, creek don't rise, as my dad used to say. You may you define yourself as an athlete, or a musician, as a boater, as somebody who likes to knit. I, I don't know. What, some, a crocheter, would that be it? I don't know. Um, or you may even get deeper, that you may go to like the, the conceptual things, that you're successful or that you're a failure, or you're a good person, or you're not so good of a person, or you're, you're caring, or you're uncaring, or whatever. You may, may start with those things. So the question is, how do we overcome the things in our past? Like so often, um, there are so many people that I know, that uh, good Christian people that may say, you know, yes, I, know, I believe God has forgiven me, but I still haven't really forgiven myself. I still haven't gotten past that thing that I did, or that, that part in my life that forever has labeled me in one or, or two ways, or maybe even more than that. And so what I want to do today is just let the Word of God just teach us how to get over the labels of our past and maybe even our present. And so, I'm, as I said before, I'm kind of excited about this um, message because uh, what we're doing is we're talking about breaking or overcoming the labels that often other people give to us and maybe that we give to ourselves. So what is a label? i got to give you a good definition of this. A label is a classifying phrase or name applied to a person or thing, especially one that can, um, inact- can be inaccurate or restrictive. Some are positive, but many are not. And when you look at labels, we find out that labeling theory, if you go to psychology or labels, are extremely important. Let me ask you, did anybody get a nickname when you were growing up? Did anybody have one? How many of you would be really upset if somebody found that name out now, right? How many of you would be like, nah, that's what people, how many people are still called by that today? How many are still called by that by the people who originally called you that, right? There's a lot of, lot of different things in, in life. So they're good and bad labels. But one of the things that research shows us is that when it comes to like schooling, uh, that when, if, if you define or label a child as slow in learning, that their performance actually decreases. And they've also showed that if you say that someone is advanced or, or specially gifted or something like that, then their performance begins to increase just by labeling them one thing or the other. And in homeschool, as my kids were, they just teach you how to make butter, right? And that was they say, you know, I get everybody. No, that's not true. A lot of people like to label, oh, homeschool. Anybody heard that? Homeschoolers, oh, you guys can make butter. I don't know why butter. I mean, I never saw a butter churn. But I heard people saying that, and i like, my kids don't make butter. They, we buy it. Um, but anyway, we have these labels. And labels are powerful. Um, if you're labeled either by somebody or yourself as a failure, you find out that you won't try new things. And why bother? Because I'm just going to fail. Or if you're labeled as weak, then you won't usually ask for much respect in your life. And if you're labeled as unloved or feel like you're labeled as unloved, you won't seek love in positive places. And you'll, you'll take what comes and you'll just be left devastated. Regardless of what goes on in life, we cannot allow the labels that others give to us or the ones that we give to ourselves to bind us and control us. So what do we need to do? We need to overcome many of those labels that may have bound us. Some may be unspoken, but we just feel those way, that in those ways. So because in our lives, someone or something called us something or something happened and we were characterized by some way by it, and, and maybe we did it to ourselves, like I said, and we believed a lie 
that isn't true, and we're living under the lies of the past of that label. I could tell you over 30, almost 30 years of ministry how, how many people, grown men and women, who have, who have come and just broken down because they were labeled by a parent or by a coach or by a teacher or by a friend or somebody as being somebody who is, who is just going to be a failure or an accident or, or something of nature, and it has affected their whole entire lives. Um, and I believe that God wants to do a work in overcoming that here today. And so what, I need your help for this first part. This first part, there's some famous people with labels, okay? And I, and I want to share this with you. So I'm, I'm going to give you a well-known person and the, and the label attached to them. And all these are a name and the, okay? You with me? And, and so I'm going to say the name and the, and you're going to do what? Give me the label. Shout out the label. Sound like a plan? All right, like for instance, help me out. Attila the? There you go. Oh, that's nice. You don't have to call me hon, but anyway. Um, Conan the? Billy the? You guys are good. Alexander the? Ivan the? Buffy the? (laughs) You guys guys got really excited about that one right there. Um, Winnie the? (laughs) You started with hon and you called me poo at the end. All right, so there we go. But I just wanted to make sure that three-year-olds and um, people who could care less about stuff were, were connected. But all these different people or things have some label to them. And you guys know them by those names, right? You know exactly who they are. Like, you don't really know what Billy the Kid's real name is, many of us, correct? Okay, there we go. We got somebody. What about Alexander? I mean, we just know him as that label that's given, given to him. And all those other kinds of things there. I don't know Buffy's last name, do you? I, some people know it. I don't know. You could tell me Smith and I'd go for it. But anyway, so what about you? What about you now? What if I said if someone was attributing you a label, what would they give to you? Like, for instance, Jack the, boom, not Ripper. Don't go there, all right? It goes there. But, but like, I, you know, and so I, I decided to be brave, and I threw it out on Facebook, and then I took it down after a little while. But, but people were actually nice on social media. Do you believe that? Um, it, miracles never cease. One person said, Jack the tender-hearted. Aww. Oh, yeah, there we go. That's why you call me hun. Jack the brother from another mother. <laughs> um, then I got a Jack the Ripper and Jack filling down in the crown and all that stuff. Jack the incredible friend. Jack the inspiring. I kind of like that one. I may put that on my, like, I'm Jack the inspiring. Yeah. But anyway, um, Jack the teacher. Jack the jock. Hey. Um, Jack the leader. Jack the amazing and God-sent preacher. Now, that would go to my head if I really, you know, picked that label. God, uh, Jack the good family man. Jack of hearts. I guess that means I care. Jack the preacher. Jack the passionate. Uh, Then some more Jack the heart. Um, Jack a great man of God. Jack the incredible leader. Jack the compassionate one. And a couple people, one person said, hey, I know your parents. You can do better than that. (laughs) All right? So, So there was one who was asking those questions. And then one got into this whole deep philosophical thing like you should answer you should be asking not what you are but what you want to be and I'm like okay thanks I'm doing this for a sermon leave me alone right (laughs) jack the annoyed all right so but but anyway so I mean if you did that and you have blanks there okay good bad and different go back in your go back in your history look at now what would if you put that out on your social media or you put that out to people around you what would they fill that in with Rhonda boom what would they fill that in with and just, I gave you space there, 
So that means you got to do it, all right? It's like homework. But I want you to really think about that, like what you would do. And as you're thinking about doing that, um, that little space right there, it might be that somebody called, called you, and I'll use my name, Jack the Doormat, all right? That you're always nice to people, but people are always just stepping over you and, and just... Uh, and just taking advantage of you in life. Or some of you may be Jack the lazy one, or Jack the irresponsible one, or Jack the hothead, or let's do somebody else, or, um, I don't know, Mary Martha the money waster. I don't know. Could be, um, you know, Jackie the party girl, or um, Bill the wild guy, um, or, I don't know, Tonto the, the one who's never really going to settle down, or... Jack the average one, or Jack who's not great at anything, or Jack the crazy, or Jack the liar, or Jack the damaged, or blank the mean, or your name the mouth, or your name the emotionally unstable, or your name the boring, or your name the useless, or your name the mistake. There's a lot of different things that you can put in there, and I say that in many cases, you would probably put a more negative than anybody else in your own life. So just take a moment while you're doing that, and I want you to, to just listen to God's word, that whatever lens and whatever labels, and you may have several of them that you have on you, I want you to hear how, what God's word says about labels in your life. You may say, why are you talking about this? Because the longer we carry a label, the less it describes our past and the more it determines our future. So many people, like I've said, time after time, me included, because of Something being labeled as a young child carried that with me through years, and I never recognized it until much later in life. And it's hard when you've based a lot of your whole life in this kind of context of trying to work out this label. It could be, hey, you got to be good, and you know, you, you got to be a good boy, a good girl, and you live your whole life in that, and realize, and then you recognize that what does good mean, and and you realize that 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 scripture says not one of us is good. So how do you live that out in life? And, and it just, and then you recognize if I'm going to be good, then I'm always going to be a failure. And then you have this part of failure in your life and you're, you're struggling with these things time and time and time and time again and again and again. So when we have that, what is that? Some labels that we carry are positive, hard worker, talented, generous, giving, and loving. Some are not so positive. Some of the ones we said, but you may be unloving, a disappointment, a failure, a misfit, uh, uh, inadequate, unwanted, weak. So what, is the, what I want you to do is, what is a negative label that has followed you through life? What is it? And as you think about it, I pray you'll hear something. You hear, that, hear me say this, that God's power is bigger than your past. That God's truth is bigger than any current truth that you believe in your life. In fact, if you own that label, that, that you may own a label that you truthfully deserve, all right? I could be Jack the Arrogant or Jack the, Jack the you know, Nasty at times. Um, and I might own that. I might really own that. But here's the thing. In many ways, it may be true about you, but just understand that it, what you are today does not have to be what you are tomorrow through God. And he's going to take the, the what is and make it no longer if we allow him through the power of Christ and break those labels. And here's how he's going to do it. This verse from 2 Corinthians, 
It says, and it's based, this is what we're basing this on. It says, if anyone, and anyone in Greek means anyone. I'm just letting you know. Um, but it means anyone. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter where you came from. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter who you're connected in. Anyone means anyone. And so if anyone belongs to Christ, in other words, you've accepted Jesus' uh, gift of salvation, his work on the cross, You've accepted that, and you say, you are who you say you are. You are the Savior of the world, and I, I've missed the mark, and I want to follow you. If anyone belongs or is in Christ, they become a what? A new person. That, you guys said that really lame. They become a what? New person. A new person. And here's what's happened. So when you become something new, then you can't just keep being the old. And so it says, for if anyone is, belongs or is in Christ, they become a new creation. The old has gone. The old has? The old has? Gone. There we go. And a new life has begun. This is what Jesus talked about with Nicodemus about being born again. It means that the Spirit of God comes in, cleanses you from all that sin, and sends you in a new path. Now, what happens is sin still goes back to you. The things that caused the labels before still have a pull on my life, and I find myself back there. But I'm not bound by them. I'm freed by the blood of Jesus, by the cross of Christ. And so as we look at this, the old needs to be gone. But it's hard when we've grown up with labels that are based in the old life. And we carry those into the new life in Christ. So how do we get free from these things? How do we like start this new life and continue in this new life and not say new life and then get pulled back in? I believe that we need to have, it, it, it focuses on us Knowing the word of God, believing the truth of the word of God, believing that he, I am who he says I am, not what others say I am. And the, the interesting thing is, so many people would rather believe people growing up in your lifetime who gave you negative labels than they would to believe the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, the one who knit you together in your mother's womb. Would, would you rather believe all these other people who, guess what? They're doing the same stuff we are than you would to believe Jesus who he who he says you are. It's about the new creation. It's not about what you are. So you could be the biggest mess up that you, in life today, and Jesus says, that's not who you are if you are in me and belong to me. And so I'm going to give you three thoughts today, uh, three or four. Um, there's an extra one I'm going to give to you, but um, that, that will free you from the labels that have held you down. When someone has given you a label, and, they, and here's one of the things. This is the first one. When someone has given you a label, they have given you a name. Correct? When someone has given you a label, they have given you a name. And so the first thing that happens, you go through life with a name. Your name carries weight. People who know you, if I mention your name, I'll say, do you know Becky Edwards? And people say, oh, yeah, I know her. All right. She's really quiet and timid and just doesn't say a word. But no, no if you know her, you know that's not true. Okay? But... Um, but if you know somebody, you know the name. When you say their name, it carries with it something. It carries with it the experience. It may carry with it the label that they have given to you. And so one of the things that as we begin this new life is that we have names and others have given us labels. The thing is, God, through the power of Christ, will give us a new name. And that is the first thing. God will give you a new name. In Isaiah 62, it says, it's the Lord, and he says this, and I... And, and you will be given a new name by the Lord's own mouth. Isn't that kind of cool? I mean, I really think that's really, really neat. 
I don't know whether you do. I do. Because I think it's cool that God loves me so much that he doesn't only knit me together. He doesn't only send his son for me. But when I am in Christ or when I belong to Christ, God has a name picked out for me that he wants to speak to me. And I think that's really awesome. I think that's powerful. And I'm going to tell you why. Because names have power. Many of you may have been held back for years by something you believed or something others have caused you. In Revelation, it says to everyone who conquers, I will give them some of the hidden manna, and I will give them a white stone, and on the white stone it's written, there's written a new name that no one knows but only the one who receives it. You know, you know what's neat about that? Anybody, anybody ever date anybody you have pet names for each other, like Pookie Bear? Right? Anybody got one of them? And you don't want, like, come on, guys, you don't want somebody to know, like, if she said, hey, Pookie Bear, you'd be like, <laughs> your buddies would be like, she called you Pookie Bear. And then, then what? Your label with your buddies is what? Pookie Bear, right? That's what we do. So there's those little pet names that we don't want anybody to know. But because of the intimacy and the love that God has for you, he's going to give us a stone. And he's going to say, hey, I got a name for you. Hey, you're going to know. Just you and I. That's how much God loves you. That's how much he, he totally loves you. You know, I, my parents, I'm sure they had little names for each other. I don't know what they are. Thank God I don't know what they are, right? You know, and my kids are probably very happy they don't know if Melissa and I have any names for each other, right? But it's because there's an intimate relationship there, and you share those things that only you know. And God has so much of love for you, even while you're a mess. He says, I got this name picked out for you. All you have to do is accept my son, and I'm going to tell you the name that only you and I know. That God's got a special name picked out for you because he loves you that much. If you don't hear anything else, hear this fact. God loves you so much, he not only knit you together, but he's got a little nickname for you. That's his. Just between you and him. That's how much he loves you. Loves you, loves you. And the, th the cool thing about this new name is names reveal a couple things. Names reveal value and meaning to us. How many have ever spent time on naming kids? Anybody ever spent a lot of time naming kids? Like you just didn't get pregnant and wait till the kid came out and like, what are we going to name it? I don't know, baby A. I don't, you know, no, we spent time. How many of you ever got into that thing? Like, oh, what's this name? No, that doesn't fit with the last name. Anybody do that kind of stuff? Or, or this one? I'm the family guy who always figures out how to make fun of the names. I do that. They bring it to me, and I figure every way to make fun of a name because I don't want them to be made fun of. And they'll say, what do you think of this name? Boom, I get it right away. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's not good. All right, so, so that's my job. Um, anybody, same thing with, with pets? Anybody spent time naming pets? Our, our oldest dog in the house right now, everybody had these different names, and I just got tired of it and called her Babies, and we got a dog named Baby, all right? And she's just, like, old and fat, and, and unless there's food, and then she runs. It's we very weird. Um, <laughs> baby almost left us because I had put a cheesesteak in the corner, and somehow she flew and got up on the countertop and got my cheesesteak. <laughs> Baby's still barely with us, just to let you know. But anyway, um, and so, but you spend time doing that because it's, you, you do that with your kids. It's something special. You look at name meanings. How many look at name meanings when you're picking out kids? And you're like, no, I don't want to name them that. You know, we do that because it's special to us. It, it carries a value with, with us. Some of you might remember years ago, they had the, the prayer of Jabez. Remember that? And, um, and Jabez is not a good name, right? You don't, want to, you don't see people naming your kids. I've not yet seen an, an Adolf Hitler kid here, right? I've not seen a Jezebel in my life, that's name. There's a reason because those names carry negative weight, and we aren't going to name our kids that because we don't want them to go through life with those things as well. So names reveal value and meaning. Also, um, 
names do that, but labels do something else. Labels place us in a box and pigeonhole us. So when we get a name, that, a, a label that is, is a part, whether good or bad, like some of us may have had a nickname when we were younger, uh, you know, like it's, uh, I don't know, called um, Crash, because you just, you, I don't know, threw something through your grandmother's front window. So for the rest of your life, you're known as Crash. And they're like, you get married, and they say, should I use Billy or Crash? No, please use William. You know what? I, because, but everybody's like, hey, Crash, like this. And you're known by that one incident your whole life. Let me ask you, how many of you think of the worst thing you've ever done? How would you like to be labeled that way your whole life? The thing is, many of you do that to yourself every day. You label yourself by your worst sin, and Satan loves it. Because he's like, remember you did this? Remember that you did that? And you call yourself a Christian? And you know, it's, it's, this whole naming thing that God does is, is a bit like, I'm told, like girls who like somebody when they're dating. Um, and it could be guys too, but I've been told, like if there's a girl that she really, really likes them, that she'll start to take her first name and put with the last name. Am I correct on this? Yeah. All right. So I see people, and you'll, you'll start to do that, and then they'll write it on the paper with little hearts and XOs, XOs, that kind of stuff. Am I correct? Yeah. All right. So, um, more than that, God has this nickname, and he loves you. And there's so many biblical examples of God loving people enough to have a relationship and give them a name that has both value and meaning. And let's go old school. Let's go two people named Abram and Sarai who were very advanced in age, and they wanted nothing more than to have children, but they couldn't. And God showed up and said to them, hey, you're going to have so many ancestors. Gave a promise. You're going to have so many ancestors. They're going to be more than the stars in the sky, and you're not going to even be able to count them all. And they said, yeah, right. How's, that's not going to happen. And he actually changed their name from Abram to Abraham, which means, and Sarah, from Sarai to Sarah, which means father and mother of many nations. He changed that. And it took a long time for that, prophet, that uh, prophecy to be fulfilled, but eventually it was fulfilled. Um, Jacob is a name, and it means swindler, tri trickster, supplanter, one who's always, he got that name because he, he was a twin, he was trying to supplant Esau, his older brother, and, and get out of the womb first, and God wrestled with him at one point, you know, Jacob was a really, this tells you about Jacob's character in the Bible, when his, he was coming back to his brother Esau, because he ripped off everything from him, took his birthright, and took everything else, took off, went to a country where relatives were, and then when it came time to get back close to his brother, he sent all his wives and children and everything else on the other side of the river, and he stayed on the other side waiting to see what would happen to his family. That's a really good guy, isn't it? He's like, I want to see if, the, if Esau does something with him, and then I'm going to get out of Dodge. No, he's not a good guy. He's just waiting. He's conniving. And, and the scripture tells us that an angel or the Lord showed up and wrestled with him till daybreak. And wouldn't let him go. And, and so he gave him the name Israel, which means he wrestles with God. He wrestles with God and has prevailed. What about the guy who was kind of like a wimp in, um, in Judges 6? His name was Gideon. And that's why the people hand out the Bibles. That's who they're named for. Um, he was hiding out from his enemies, um, just hiding out. And God sent an angel to the scaredy cat. And he said, the Lord be with you, mighty warrior mighty man of valor and here he is hiding away like you know where nobody can see him that's not my choice correct 
But God had so much fun with it. He said, I'm going to show you how much I see you as a mighty man of valor. Because what I'm going to do is you're going to start with all these, and I'm going to get rid of the ones that I don't like here. And, oh, you think you're going to go into battle? I'm going to get rid of some more. I'm going to get rid of more. And I'm going to show you that you are a mighty man of valor. You are a great warrior under my calling. God will give you a new name so that what you've been labeled will not be any longer true. I've seen this in my own life in so many ways. For years, I might have thought, hey, you know what? I'm just an average student. And some of you may have said that. What do you mean you're an average student? Well, because somebody told you you were an average student, and you started to believe it. And then maybe one time you just got it. For me, I was, I was an okay student. You know, high school was easier than my 1-6 my first semester at West Virginia. I did much better. I got a 1-9 the second semester. I was really tearing it up, you know. Um, I was on academic probation. Probably some of the most fun, sinful years of my life, but it wasn't good for my grades. Um, and then I remember my grandmother bought this thing for me called Where There's a Will, There's an A, and I watched them. And then I ended up on Dean's List and all this other kind of stuff. You know, hey, you know, I, it wasn't that I, I was dumber and all of a sudden I had a brain transplant and all of a sudden got smart. It was that I believed that I wasn't just average, I wasn't going to be, I was going to be able to take on all the demands of schooling and to go ahead and do well. I had to believe it in myself, and I had to apply it um, in those areas. It's happened in other areas in, in my life where um, the same was true when I, be, when I became a pastor. I even had somebody tell me, Reverend Cohen's your dad. I said, yeah, he is, isn't he? Yeah, you can call me Jack, you know? I mean, I didn't, I didn't know how to relate to that. Um, and then dealing with the insecurity of there's no way I can step into my dad's shoes. I mean, no way figuratively, but also because he had a real bill-up shoe. I couldn't step in that either when he was alive. Sorry. Um, or, and I talked about school. Or, or what about becoming a father? Um, anybody, anybody remember becoming a parent for the first time? And you were like, what in the world is this? You know, like you're, 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 you're like just going crazy about it. You don't know what you expect. You don't know, you know, and then, you, then all of a sudden pops out this life that they say, take them home. And they got like all kinds of bodily fluids coming out of every hole in their body. And you're like, what is this thing? And you love it so much. You love that baby so much. And it, it's never letting you sleep. And it's pooping on you and all kinds of other stuff. And you're like, oh, I love it. Great. And blah. And you're like, you oh, know, awesome. You know. Um, but you have this incredible love. But you're figuring it out as you go along. Am I right? You can watch what to expect while you're expecting. You read the book. You can watch the movie. And you still don't know what to expect when they get here. You figure it out. You hope. All right? And everybody's got opinions on what you should do. Am I correct? All right. Figure it out yourself. Tell them they figured it out and you're still here. All right? Um, and so, so you, you have this whole kind of thing. And, and, you know, it's hard to believe. Somebody calling me dad. Now I'm used to it. Five of them. Yes, I'm used to it. I'm like, stop calling me dad. Leave me alone. Right? You get to those points in life. But you just, you've built up that thing, not by yourself, but you have problems with that because you've never been there, and you're saying, I can't be as good a dad as my father. I can't be a, as good a mother as my mother. I can't possibly. And then, you know, it's really weird, becoming a grandparent. What does that mean? It means it's awesome, right? Anybody who's grandparents, it's the most awesome thing in the world. It's better than kids. I've heard people say that for years, and I was like, what does that mean? I'm like, oh, I get it, you know? Like, I can walk in, I can be so mad and angry, and she just smiles. I'm like, yeah, what do you want? I'll buy you a horse, you know, whatever. <laughs> My kid's like, can I have $5 now? Get away from me, you know. 
And, and so, you know, like, I remember my grandparents wanting to give Joe and I money, and they would get in the car, and this when we were down in Fredericksburg, and they'd hug us, and they'd say, stay here. And they'd leave, and they'd ride around the block, and Joe and I would just kind of act like we're playing, and mom and dad would leave, and then they'd pull back up, and they'd be like, here, and we'd go take the money, you know? I mean, my kids could ride around the block 50 times. I ain't giving them squat, you know? And that's, that's just how it is. It's just different. It's different. You, you learn by being there. And so many of us, God has put a call on your life, and you're so stuck in the old labels that you don't believe it because you've never experienced it. And you just need to get in Christ and let him figure it out. Let him figure it out. Because God is going to give you a new name, and you may feel unworthy of that. But just understand that God will help you grow in that. For some of you, God's going to give you the name Forgiven. You're forgiven. You may not feel in it, but you need to grow in that forgiveness. For others, God is going to give you the name overcomer, and you may not feel it in life. But guess what? You're going to grow in it. Some of you may feel inadequate as a, as a parent, and you don't feel like you're doing anything, or you feel like you're wrong. You're wrong. God's going to grow you in that. You may feel that God may give you the title of spiritual leader, and you may say, not me. But you're going to lead your family, and you may lead others, and you may lead teenagers, and you may be leading kids, and you may lead small groups, and you may, lead, you may just be a spiritual leader at work. Or you may say, he says, your name's spiritual leader. You say, oh, no, no, not me. Not me, I don't feel it. And he says, don't worry, you're going to grow in it. Many of you have been labeled by so many things in the past, and just don't believe what other people say about you. Believe what God says about you. So number one is God will give you a new name. Number two, God will give you a new purpose. With a new name comes a new purpose. God does this over and over again. There was a guy named Simon. He could have been labeled unpredictable, big mouth, not dependable, wishy-washy. And in Luke 5, Jesus meets Simon. And Simon's a fisherman. He said, hey, don't worry about this fishing thing. I know you're not good at it. Because every time in the scripture, they don't catch anything without a miraculous help from Jesus. And he said, hey, you call yourself a fisherman, but guess what? You're not going to fish anymore for, for fish. You're going to fish for people. You're going to be a fisher of men and women. In other words, you're going to be a world changer. You're going to be an evangelist. You're going to have a new purpose. And you're going to do things that you never thought you could. And along with that new name came a new identity. And Jesus one time was sitting there talking to people and said, who do, who do people, who do men say that I am? And he said, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some say this. And he looked at Simon at this point. And he said, Simon, who do you say I am? And Simon says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And I love Jesus' response. He said, yeah, you're too dumb to come up with that your own. God told you that. Read the scripture. That's what he said. He said, this was revealed to you by God. You can't figure that out on yourself. And he said, guess what? You're no longer Simon but you are Peter, you are the rock, you are rocky, and upon this rock, I'll build my church. And Peter said, woohoo, yeah, I'm rocky now, yeah, hey, I'm rocky. And some of you may not know the story, and some of you do know the rest of the story. Was Peter always, from that point, the rock that God could build the church on? Ain't no way. He cursed and denied Jesus three times. And after the resurrection, Jesus graciously restored him back to saying, hey, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And he said, now I'm going to build my church upon you. And on the day of Pentecost, God chose Rocky to be the one that went out and began to preach the sermon. And if you ever look at the sermon, it does not sound like Simon Peter in the Gospels. 
You know what it sounds like? It sounds like Jesus himself. Because the Spirit of God was now living in and through him. Simon Peter back then was not a rock you would want to build anything on. He was a rock that would sink to the bottom, remember? That's what he did in the Sea of Galilee. He sunk. But when the Spirit of God filled him, then he grew into becoming the rock that he could build his church on. The, good, the best news ever is that you can take whatever label that has been associated with your name and understand with the power of Christ, one of the greatest weaknesses of our past or present can become one of the greatest victories of our future. It could be for me, Jack the anxious, Jack the angry, Jack the insecure. And God did and does a work on my heart when I get to those old self areas. And sometimes it's one of my greatest weaknesses. God has used to become his greatest strength. I promise you God wants to do the same thing for you. To not let the labels of the past or the present define you. You are not who others say you are. You are not the result of your past. So God's going to give you a new name. God's going to give you a new purpose. And God will give you a new future. To the power of Christ, God's going to give you a new future. And I know so many people who are so pessimistic about their future. My life is not going anywhere. I'm never going to be happy. I'm always going to be alone. I'm always going to be miserable. I'm never going to get out of debt. I'm always going to battle with these headaches, backaches, this whatever, and on and on and on. Don't you dare insult God with faithfulness about your future. Why? Because here's what he says. He says, for I know. Everybody say, for I know. God says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for you to what? Prosper. Prosper and to not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God himself says, hey, knock it off. I, I don't care how you feel. I don't care what the world looks like. Listen to me. I have plans for you. And it's plans to give you a future and one of hope. You may have been labeled that you're, you're stuck with this miserable person in your life. That that person's going to, that you're always going to be nasty or nagging and your kids are never going to grow up to do anything and you're a failure there and I'm always going to be in debt and I'm always going to be an addict and I just can't overcome it and I'm just not this and I'm just not that. But out of your greatest weakness, God can raise up the greatest strength. For years, you may have been labeled an addict. I'm telling you, God can help you overcome your addiction with others' help and give you a future of hope. You've been labeled that you're chunky and you're full-figured or you're my mom's favorite term, portly, or you're big-boned and I'm never going to be anything. I'm just going to just, I might as well just give up. And through the power of Christ and changing your focus, you may say, you know what, I'm going to get a hold of this thing in my diet. You may become a P90X, TRX, spin class, Pilates, Zumba, Holy Ghost, muscle-popping human being for the kingdom of God. Who knows? And you're going to get in shape and you're going to tell people the goodness of God. You're going to have a future where you didn't have before. You may say, I'm always going to be a debt, and God may give you a burden for wise financial management, and you're going to become a fanatic about it, and you're going to love it so much you're going to get Dave Ramsey tattooed on your back, and you're going to be debt-free, and your future is going to look bright. Why? Because out of our weakness, the labels of our past and present, God raises up a strength and gives us hope and a future. David was just a shepherd boy, forgotten by his own dad. He was forgotten by his own dad in the field. Is that all the kids you got? Yeah, I think that's it. Oh, wait, there's David. Who's that, right? Um, 
and he became a man, known as a man after God's own heart and the king of, the king of, of Israel and just was, he had his own issues, but he still was a man after God's own heart. Thomas was the doubter, and Thomas was the most active evangelist of all the disciples, went further than any of them ever went. Gideon, we talked about him. Zacchaeus was known as a regional corrupt tax collector, and yet he was made new in Christ and said, became super generous, said, I'll give it all away to follow you. But the best biblical example in all the Bible is a woman who was labeled as one of the worst labels that you could ever have. Her name is mentioned in the Bible eight times. And six of those times, she's given this negative label. She was known as Rahab the prostitute, Rahab the harlot. Now, her label was true. That's who she was. And during that time of her life, there was the temple prostitute, which had a, a bit more respect. And there was the lower streetwalker kind, and the one that would be arrested on an episode of Cops. And she was that one. And almost every time you hear her, the label is Rahab the hooker, Rahab the call girl, Rahab the prostitute. You can only imagine what that would do to her heart and do to her emotionally that she may have, as, as you yourself may have internalized the negative label over the years that has beat you down, dragged you down, discouraged you, made you feel useless like you don't have a positive future. I can imagine she felt like used goods, worthless, that nobody would ever love her with her history and how could I ever have a good marriage or a good relationship because I'm unclean, I'm filthy, I'm useless, and no one will ever love me and forget having a relationship. And I bet God couldn't even love me. Well, if you know her story, it's a pretty powerful story through God overcoming labels. She started to hear about the God of Israel as Joshua and the Israelites were coming toward Jericho, and she, she started to be moved and perhaps began to wonder about this God, and there's a beautiful verse that says her heart melted as she heard the stories about God. Some of you today are just like that, that you've been dealing with this label, and you're just going through life, and you're just taking it and just existing. And I hope that today you won't hear the labels, but you hear God's word, and your heart will melt. And it's melting about the goodness and the love and the hope and the power of our God. And Rahab had two spies from Israel that came to her place, and she did something that was really amazing. She risked her life. She could have been killed for hiding the spies, and Rahab, the harlot, the hooker, the prostitute, became in many ways not just the savior of her family, but all those around her. In a very risky and daring and life-threatening move, she believed that perhaps the God of Israel could be her God. And God did become her God. And her life was radically changed. And you know, he gave her a new name, a new purpose. And by the grace of God, he gave her a future. You see, when she got to know God, she became a new person. I'm convinced in whatever way God did it, God gave her a new name and she knew it. Her life was transformed. She was forgiven. And her life, she recognized, was worth more than it ever has been. And she started living fully with a new name and a new, with that new name came a new purpose, purpose, and with a new purpose came a new future. And God did what nobody else thought. God brought her a God-fearing man named Salmon. She had a great marriage with this man, and nobody else, including Rahab, thought that was possible. Just like some of you, you may feel like, I'm never going to be fill-in-the-blank. 
and when you get a little bit of hope, then you justify it because I whatever. Or it may be I'm always going to be this way and I can never because. And there's a label that follows you. And here's what God did through Rahab the prostitute who married this God-fearing man. She had a son and then had a grandson and then had a great-grandson and then had a great-great-grandson and then she had a five times over great-great-great-great-great-grandson whose name happened to be Jesus Christ. Rahab the prostitute is the great-great-great-great-great-grandmother of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. You think her label changed? You think when she walks in heaven, it ain't, there's Rahab the prostitute. No, it's, oh, there's there's Grandma Rahab. Because she got connected and belonged to Jesus, and it changed her entire life. Get connected to the Lord and have your entire lives change. In Philippians, how do we do that? Philippians, it says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on. I press on. When you become a new creation, the old has to go behind and forgotten, and you have to press on. And somebody in your life is going to remind you of that label in the past, and you say, that's who I was, but that's not where I'm headed. That's not where I'm going. You see, I am a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. Oh, it can keep on coming up, and it can keep going here. But let me tell you, that weakness and that label that you want to give me is I'm not going to deny it, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to embrace it and show you the goodness of God. And when we do that, what happens? I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let go of that stuff behind you. Let go of what you did or said or didn't do or didn't say. Let go of the failures that you had. Let go of what your ex said to you and instilled in you. Let go of the unfulfilled dreams. Let go of the pain and the suffering. Let it all go because the last thing I want to share with you is a label may describe you, but your identity in Christ defines you. If you ask me, we live in a world that is focused way, way too much on labels. Labels that shift and move by feelings and attitudes and emotions or whatever. And instead of labels from ourselves and others and the world and everything else, things that we go after certain labels. I want to be this label. I want to be that label. I want to I get this job and have that label. Instead of doing that, the only true identity we can ever have is the one when Jesus leans down and says, here's your name, honey. Here's the name I've got. And that's who you are. And until we ever get to that place, we are still Rahab the prostitute, one label after another after another. We're not to the place where God has us in all this. We need to let go and let Jesus define us. And then we can go and embrace what Galatians says. There is no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. You are all God's children. There's no divisions. That's not saying that all that stuff is thrown away. This great quote from John Stott says, When we say that Christ has abolished these distinctions, we mean that not that they don't exist, but that they no longer create barriers to fellowship. That means we can come together as in unity across the body of Christ. And don't you dare let anybody put you in a box and put a label on you. Don't let... It, don't you tell me that somebody else called you and that's going to haunt you for the rest of life because you're giving them too much power when you need to give that power to Jesus Christ. 
It's his. He is king of kings, lord of lords. He creates you. He knows what he wants to call you. You are not what anybody else says about you. And the power of Christ, through the power of Christ, you can get past that and get a new name from God. And you're not what others call you. You're who he calls you. You get a new purpose that you'll grow into. For you're not there yet, but you'll get there. And God will give you a new purpose, and you will grow into that. And, he, and as he does, I will tell you, he will give you a future, one of hope, one of hope. And the plans that he has for you are amazing. You can glorify him through your greatest weakness. God will raise up his greatest strength in you, and you will never be the same. The things or the, things, uh, or the thing that held you back in the past are all broken in the name of Jesus. Because ultimately, a label may describe you, but your identity in Christ defines you. Be defined by him and not anybody else, and get rid of them labels. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's, let's worship the Lord um, in song one last time today. And um, just, just stand, if you will, and let's just, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Again, we're going to, at this time, we also receive our offering. And again, I, I say because we want you to receive what God has for you. If you look at this as your church, I just thank you for the gifts. And also, we'll have our kids be coming in soon. They'll be giving, um, bringing in the, um, yeah, that's it, the boxes, all right? Um, the boxes um, for the kids um, and others. And, and again, I, if you, if you want to connect and do that, please go ahead and still do so as we'll, uh, we'll really wrap it up fully next week. And, um, and so, but we do receive God's tithe and, and offerings. And so my thanks to everyone who does, who does give a part of that, uh, you know, as, a, as you're visiting, we want you to really s- receive what God has for you. And, and like, this is not just for, this is not for us to keep here. This is for us. I mean, yes, it, we use that for ministries here, but we want to, we want to follow the Lord. And one of the things I always love about this church is we are more than double giving um, what goes out of a tithe. I mean, we, we double give that because we're, we're, we need to be in the world. And we have brothers and sisters in Haiti who are, who are dealing with some very difficult things in the world. And, and so we just really want to, uh, I just want to thank you and ask the Holy Spirit to just put his blessing upon this guest and, um, and just be there with us. So let's just bow our head now as we pray. Uh, and so I, I just want to say, uh, Father, in the name of your son, Jesus your risen son, Jesus, that I pray that your power, your presence, and your grace, that your mercy would just overwhelm us and overflow into our hearts. And, and as we're praying here at Haven or in church online, I know that there are many of you that there's a label that has held you back. And maybe it's not just a clear name. Maybe it's a mindset or a focus. Um, maybe, maybe others have put this on you, or maybe you've done it to yourself. And I believe with all my heart that God wants to give you a new name, a new purpose, and a new future. So if those of you who are like that, if you just want to say to God that there's really something holding me back. I've been labeled. I've, I've labeled myself. I've believed and lived under that label. But today I want to seek God for a new direction. I want that future. I want that name. I want, I want that purpose. So if you say that, just say to the Lord that, yes, that's me, and And I I pray that I am in Christ and I can overcome those labels. And God, I thank you today for those who sincerely want to overcome what others or even themselves have have said about them and label them. I pray, God, that the truth, the truth of your son will set us free and that 
We would not be limited by the labels, but God, that in the name of Jesus, you would empower us to overcome all these things. And God, I pray that your children recognize that we may not be ready for the purpose and the calling that you have in our life, but we're going to grow into that and have an amazing future. And yet there's others who are praying today that you may say, I don't like where my life is right now. And without Christ, honestly, you shouldn't like where your life is. Because we're all sinners and we're all bent to destruction. And you say, you know what, I'd love, you may have said, I'd love to have a fresh start, a do-over. And so you can't do it on your own. You need Jesus. There are many of you who are brought here, that God brought you here just for this moment. That today is the day of your salvation. As you call on his name, your sins will be forgiven. You'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you'll never be the same. And yes, you're going to have that old self that tries to creep in, but you're going to keep on pressing on. Today's your day. And if that's you, and you say, yeah, that's me, and I want to give my whole life to Jesus. I want to repent of my sin. I want to, where I've missed the mark, and I want to call on him. Jesus, save me, make me new. I give my life wholly and completely to you. If you say that, welcome to God's family. And everyone here today, we just pray, Heavenly Father, that you take all of our lives, you make us new. Jesus, save us from our sins. Get us on the path. Get us in that hope and a future that you have planned for us. Help us just to replace the, label, the, the labels. And I believe that you died for me and you rose again so that I can live for you. Fill me with your spirit. Give me a new life. Revive my life. If I've already accepted you, but I haven't lived that out, God, I can't wait to hear my new name that just you and I know. I can't wait to see your purpose unfold. I can't wait to have the future that my identity is defined in you. I thank you for my new life in you. In Jesus' name, amen.
This is Tammy. Tammy, uh, Michelle, and I go way back, right? Yes. And um, they would make like a, a coffee commercial, sound like you're at the feet of Jesus. Am I right? You know. <laughs> and um, I always love when we're blessed to have them sing together. And I know, Mom, you are. You've been that since a long, long time. We just love it. But just um, whatever you're gonna get labels out there. Just remember, go to Jesus. He's gonna tell you who you are in Him. Amen. Have a great week. God bless. <laughs>